0: Welcome to the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. My name is Jeanette Cochran. I'm a pastor, women's leadership coach, and self-proclaimed Jesus feminist. I'm on a mission to inspire and equip women everywhere to own our voice, speak up, create, and lead wherever God calls. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with me again today, friends. I hope you're doing well. As I record this, it's December. It's very cold here in Maryland and the Christmas season is in full swing. The lights, the shopping, the parties, all the things. And if you're like me, you sometimes can feel overwhelmed and stressed out trying to create joy filled Christmas experiences for your families, maybe in your ministry, or maybe you're in charge of some extra things at your kid's school. I don't know what it is. But I just know that we as women, the holidays can be filled with lots of extra responsibilities. Some of those things we put on ourselves, some we feel are expectations that others want us to live up to. And sometimes we can become so busy and so stressed out, that we lose the Christmas joy, the Christmas spirit, and we want to keep Christ center of Christmas. That's really what it's about. And I can tell you, I've done it the wrong way on more than one occasion. And so over the years, I have learned some tips and tricks to just really streamline And to be proactive, to make sure that the Christmas season is a time, not only where I can create those joy-filled experiences for my family and loved ones, but where I can also have Christmas joy for myself. And so I want to share that with you. I have a free guide called Reduce Holiday Stress. It's got 13 tips or tricks. And in that guide, you can find at least one or two, maybe four or five ideas to help you reduce your holiday stress and keep Christ in Christmas. And so if you want that free guide, just simply go to my website, jeanettecochrane.com slash reduce holiday stress. I'm going to put a link to that here in the show notes. You can get that there as well. Grab that free guide, enjoy your Christmas season. And I have another inspiring conversation for you with an empowered Christian woman today. Her name is Lindsay Hardigree. She's a professional organizer and productivity consultant trained and certified by Marie Kondo. Lindsay is owner of a business called Get Organized, Y'all, where she works with individuals, families, and companies to create their ideal life by organizing their spaces, systems, and finances. Lindsay also serves as the Executive Director of the Episcopal Community Foundation for Middle and North Georgia. She's very active in her church as well. And so today we're going to delve into a conversation with Lindsay around organizing. And what I love about Lindsay is her unique approach that includes mindfulness, forward-looking, and it's really a holistic approach. It's not about creating this picture-perfect Minimal space, although that's sometimes the result, she says, but really, that's not the goal. It's not about what it looks like. The goal is about functionality and efficiency so that you can clarify and live your purpose every day that's something I certainly need organization so that I can show up and live my best life and live out the life that God has called me to. So if that sounds interesting to you, grab your favorite beverage, find a comfortable space and join me for this conversation with Lindsay Hardigree about organizing your space so that you can live out your purpose every day. Let's dive in. Welcome, Lindsay, to the podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to be with me today. I'm excited to introduce you to our listeners and just share a little bit of your story. You are the Executive Director of the Episcopal Community Foundation, which is a pretty prominent leadership role in your denomination. Could you just start off by maybe just telling us a little bit about you as a leader, and maybe some of the milestones or experiences from your leadership journey that kind of have shaped who you are as a leader today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So yes, the Episcopal Community Foundation for Middle and North Georgia, it's a part of the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta. So that's kind of the the geographic grouping of churches that are the top half of the state of Georgia and so the work that I do there it really is kind of a a mashup of two things that I'm really passionate about, one of which, of course, is my faith, but then also working in nonprofit. And that's really been kind of my background prior to being at the foundation is kind of coming up in different leadership roles within the nonprofit sector and kind of in leadership in that way. So that's really been what my journey has has been like. And it's looked like a lot of different things over the years. So you know, starting off earlier in my career, taking a leadership role within a smaller position or a lower level position looks a lot different than whenever you kind of work your way up to being executive director. So it kind of looks like a lot of different things. It's shaped in a lot of different ways. I found that one of the things that has been really helpful for me throughout my career has been looking for leadership opportunities in places where there is a need as far as what are the different ways that people are serving and and where do you see a gap? And so for me, that really was within kind of the young professionals sphere within nonprofits. And so finding ways to both participate as a young nonprofit professional early in my career, but then finding opportunities to help grow other people who were coming up within their own careers as well. And so looking for leadership opportunities outside of my current position, but within the sector and finding ways to connect with people at other organizations or people who might be in different parts of the country, but are in similar kind of places. This is where I was at the time, really was an opportunity for me to kind of grow who I was as a leader and discover who that I was as a leader um, through doing as opposed to just kind of learning about it.
0: What have you learned about your leadership style through those experiences? How would you describe your leadership style?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think that we have lots of different kind of technical terms. and you know, there's all these schools of thought around what does leadership look like? You know, servant leadership, adaptive leadership, all of these various different technical terms. I really see myself as somebody who likes to kind of get into a problem and work on problem-solving and acknowledging that I've got some skills that are really useful for a lot of different problem solving things. And I also don't have skills that I are necessary for solving problems. And so looking at who is also around you, and how you're able to bring people in so that we have the, the strengths of a team, as opposed to just relying on one person. I think that lots of times leaders say, oh, I need to, you know, steer the ship, I need to be the person who's kind of in charge. And People need to come to me and and get answers. And I actually think that leaders are not necessarily always the person who has the answers, but they're the people who know how to ask the right questions. They're the people who know how to get others on board with what it is that they're working on and acknowledge that, you know what, that's not my strength, but I know somebody that we can bring in where it is their strength and and being able to work within that sphere and having the kind of permission, I guess you can say, to, to say, you know what, We've all got weaknesses and that's not a problem. That's just an opportunity for us to help other people to come in. So I don't know what you would call that leadership style, but I think that that kind of is is where I am. I like to work kind of on my own as much as I can and then bring other people in when I acknowledge that whatever it is I'm working on is something that needs more voices than just my own and that can be really really useful within the church especially because we've got so many different perspectives that are represented and so many different kind of points of view and it's important to have all of those at the table as well.
0: Yeah, it sounds kind of like a collaborative approach and maybe even a little bit of a strategic approach when you talk about problem solving. You also talked about looking for the gap and mm-hmm. how do we fill that gap? And I think that's so necessary. In fact, I would say True leadership really has to be collaborative. And when we're working in churches and nonprofits, all we have is raw leadership, right? Because we're not paying people a salary. We don't have any of that. We don't have any authority over people to say, you have to show up on this day and this time to do this work for this pay. And so we're really left with just inviting people into our calls and being collaborative. I think women have a lot to offer in that area of collaboration because mm-hmm. so often in our in our lives we're socialized to be collaborative to be cooperative and so that is i think one of those socializations that works for us right show up in leadership to say yeah i want to invite people to be a part of it I don't have to have all the answers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not a weakness that you don't have all of the answers. It's actually a strength that you are open-minded enough to acknowledge that you don't have all of the answers.
0: Absolutely. And so you are also, in addition to the executive director at the Community Foundation, you're also a professional organizer, and you've trained and certified with Marie Kondo, so can you share a little bit about your journey to becoming a professional organizer? Like, how did this happen and what inspired you to also pursue this career as well?
1: Yeah, so kind of the full-time work is what I do in the church and kind of that nonprofit piece of things. But I, I've always just been a personally kind of a very organized person. When I got out on my own for the first time and had my own apartment and things like that, it just naturally, I realized I was going to work better in my own space if I put an effort into being more organized. And so that's kind of what got me started with kind of having some passion, I guess you could say, around being organized, around kind of creating systems and things like that. And so I got to the point where lots of my friends had been interested in me coming and helping them with their closets and things like that. And I kind of started running out of friends to to help. (laughs) And so I was at the time, I was, you know, working full time, And still looking for ways that I could maybe have a little bit of additional income as well on the side. And so that was where I kind of got the idea you know what, if other people are really getting something from me helping them with the organizing, maybe that's something that I could actually create kind of a a part time side gig thing from. And around that time is when I heard that Marie Kondo was doing consultant training. And so that's really what got me started. But it's something that I find to be really impactful for people. I actually, in a lot of ways, view it as kind of an extension of ministry because it's really an opportunity to help people who are looking to make a change in their life. People who are not just trying to make things look better. I think that oftentimes, especially in the world of of Instagram and whatnot, we say, oh, there's all these pretty pictures of things that are organized in little bins or in a rainbow order or something like that. And oftentimes, um, the people that I'm working with, that's not really the goal is to make things look pretty. The goal is to create um, space for them to be able to live their lives more authentically, to be able to actually get past all of the clutter that's accumulated so that they can get to their real true purpose. And I think that that's really what Marie kind of teaches in her method. And for me, that that really does feel like an extension of ministry, an opportunity to help people to put aside these extra things that they may have accumulated for a variety of different reasons and really get to focus on what is important for them and for their lives. And to me, that feels like, you know, a God-led thing. So (laughs) that's oftentimes kind of the way that I approach that work, but it's been really interesting and fulfilling. It's very different than the work I do in the daytime. So for me personally, it's nice to be able to say, all right, let me get out of my head a little bit and get into my body a little bit and work with people when it comes to doing the organizing work. So, it's been a really great opportunity for me and, and for the people that I get to work with.
0: I can so relate to the idea of bringing order to your life so that you can fulfill your purpose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize myself as like a, a OCD or like highly organized. I'm more of a people person but I do like things in their place. Mm-hmm. I tend to work really fast and quickly, and then my space will be out of order. And I get to this place where I realize I can't do one more thing until I organize my space. I feel like I can't focus on my work right. because my space is out of order. And I, if I stop and clean my space up, then I'm It's kind of like I'm free then to be creative and free Mm -hmm. to focus. So I love what you're saying. It's so true, at least for me. And I think for a lot of us, and maybe we don't even realize it, that our space impacts our ability to be able to bring our best work forward, to be able to be creative and to be able to focus.
1: Do you find that? Do you find that to be true for a lot of women leaders? I do. And it's interesting because not only is it about the way that we approach our work and how we are able to kind of focus on things better and really to have the space for creative energy mentally. It's not just that, it also filters into our day-to-day lives. And so women are so often called to juggle so many different things. For many women who are in families, they have to juggle a lot of things with their children. That's just kind of part of how how we're, again, socialized to, to do that work. And so it becomes an opportunity to say this family can run better if we stop and take the moment to really be intentional with how we're using our space. And I see it really working for my clients, not just in their work, but also in their relationships and how they're able to be more focused and present with their children, how they're able to be more attentive and intentional with their relationship with their spouse. It really is an opportunity for people to say, I have some things that are very important to me and I want to make sure that the way I structure my life is feeding that. And that purpose looks very different for a lot of different people, but by making it be the forefront of the process, we really are creating an atmosphere and kind of a system and a structure that allows you to say, yes, I know that I am living my life according to my purpose because I think about my purpose before I make decisions. When I'm trying to figure out, you know, small little things like, what is it that's going to be in the desk drawers and what is it going to be in the right drawer or the left drawer that can help you but then you also get into some larger things like what are the different kinds of food that we keep in our pantry and how many different hobbies do we have, do we actually have the time for all of these different hobbies. Are they things that we're doing because we feel like we're supposed to be doing them? Or are they things that we're doing because they actually are feeding us in some way? And so really taking a moment to stop and step back and look at everything that you own and the way that you're spending your time and your energy and aligning that with your purpose. But that's the nice thing about the way that I get to work with clients is that I'm not telling people how they should live their lives. I'm allowing them to say that for themselves. And then I just help them to align the things that they own with what they've stated their intention to be. So it really is a very flexible way to live, but it allows each person to kind of uniquely and individually express themselves and what it is that is important to them. And especially for women, I think that lots of times we can get lost in all of the things that have to get done. And we can lose sight of what it is that vision is. And that's how people kind of, you know, wake up 5, 10, 15 years later and say, what happened to who I used to be? And what is it that I could have done differently? This is a moment to stop and say, you know what, let's let's let the past be the past, but also acknowledge that we have control of what the future looks like moving forward. But it really is just a great opportunity to say, let's be intentional and make sure that we are living to our our stated purpose. And
0: looking at your stuff, that oftentimes can be a hard thing of of Mm -hmm. figuring out what to keep, what to let go of. What do you say to those folks who just have so much stuff and they aren't quite sure what to get rid of and what to keep?
1: Yeah, I think it all does boil down to that uncertainty, deciding what to keep and then also helping people get on board with it if they're having a harder time. The uncertainty around why do I have this item in the first place? What purpose is it trying to fulfill? What was I thinking when I purchased it or when I saved it? Or you know, is it a whole stack of meeting notes? You know, Whatever it is, what was my intention in holding on to this item? What do I think I'm going to get out of it? Or if it's that I might need it, well, what might you need it for? Let's actually get real specific about what it is that is making you want to keep an item and then compare that to what is your purpose. So that really, honestly, is the first step that we go through with any sort of decluttering. And I would say that that's something to do in the home, but also in the workplace. You know, if you're thinking about a team getting together, working on all of those, you know, file folder drawers or whatever the case may be, the storage closet, what is the purpose of the work that you're all trying to do together? Let's get that on the board first. Let's say that. And then let's evaluate all of these different things based on if they help us to get to that purpose or not. And sometimes that can be a very easy thing to make a decision about. It's a, oh, you know, if our purpose is that we're helping to, you know, feed people who who are hungry, we might not need to keep the extra clown balloons from some event that we had 15 years ago. Like it might be a little easier to think about. But sometimes it can be hard to make that decision. And it really comes down to understanding that um, there are always ways that you can repurchase things. So that's a decision sometimes. Is this something that is so special and so unique that we can't get it again if we need it? So that sometimes can help people with the I might need it kind of problem. There also is the thought of, am I actually holding on to this because of some sort of sentimental reason or out of a place of fear? Am I afraid that if I get rid of this item, that something is going to happen that's out of my control or something's going to happen that is not going to get us towards our purpose? I think there's a lot of talking that happens in the decluttering process. And some people are very clear about, you know what, I know exactly what it is that I want in my life. And I can very clearly say what goes towards that and what doesn't but some people really, really need to talk things through. And so that really oftentimes determines um, kind of what it looks like when I'm working with a client, how often I go to their home or how frequently we meet over zoom, whatever that case may be. It really becomes a matter of do they have a hard time or an easy time making those decisions. And sometimes people really just need to talk through it. And the thing that I find is that as they talk through each individual item, they get clearer and clearer on what is that purpose. And so they start to reduce that uncertainty that I might need it. Well, let's actually examine that statement. Why might you need it? what, What purpose would it be fulfilling? How might you use it in the future? And is that still a valid thing? Is that something that we still need to make sure that we're holding on to this particular physical item? Do you have the space to hold on to this particular item? You know, Some people have physical capacity to keep more people, things than others. So there are a lot of different kind of determining factors that go into that. So I would say, particularly when working with a team in a workplace, one of the best things that you can do is kind of pull everybody together at the start of the process and say, here's the reason why we are on a team together in the first place. You know, What is the mission of the organization? What is the purpose of the church? What is it that we are doing? And then let's think about how we each individually fit into that purpose. And let's have that be our guiding principle throughout this process. It's not, do I like it or do I not like it? Is it we might need it? We might not need it. Is it one person thinks it's trash and another person thinks it's really cool? Those are not helpful things. Why are we here together? What is it that we are doing? And then let's evaluate each item based on that.
0: That's a really unique way to look at it. I've never thought about decluttering my things and connecting them to my purpose, but it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I know one thing that has really helped me, because I have certainly grown in this area, I guess the older I get, the less things I really want to have carrying along. So the older (laughs) I get, the more I am like, let's get rid of more things. But one of the things that's really helped me is thinking about being generous. So one of my Mm -hmm. personal core values is generosity. And so I've come to this place of thinking, well, I don't really need it. I don't want to, I don't have space for it. And then thinking about, I can give this to someone and I can bless someone who needs it. And so Mm -hmm. I've tried to use that as an approach and then it really helps me to, to think in a positive way, as I'm giving things away that I'm blessing someone else and and then I liked what you said about the if I if I do need it again, is this something that I can get? Because most mm-hmm. of the time the answer is yes. And right. it's shocking how often the answer is yes and it's like a thirty dollars or less item. So it's right. not like it's not like you're gonna you're gonna spend more money storing that item for years. Yeah than you would to just go out and buy it if you ever need it again. So it's taken me a lot of years, though, to actually recognize that mindset and be able to make those shifts. But it's it's been freeing. And so I love mm-hmm. how you're saying to people, think about your things in light of what has God called you to do in the world. Is this right. really going to help you or is it going to maybe be like a ball and chain that you're dragging all of these boxes of things along with you?
1: Right. And it's interesting because lots of times when we start the process, when I'm working with someone, they either have kind of a rough sense of their purpose or they may not even have any sense of their purpose, to be honest. Lots of times people are so lost in the middle of all of, you know, the time commitments and the next appointment and I'm supposed to be on this committee and there's this whole stack of hobbies that we've uh, got piles of yarn and craft paper and whatever it is they are so in the middle of all of that, that they aren't even sure what their purpose is. And so what I find lots of times is that we start the process by stating your purpose. And I help people kind of think through that if they're struggling with that. But as we declutter their items, because we are using that purpose as our measuring stick, they get clearer and clearer and clearer on what the purpose is. And so I often find that people who might have been struggling with that at the beginning of the process by the end, they've not only decluttered all of the stuff that's keeping them from what they want out of life, but they also start thinking about, is this job serving me? Are the relationships that I have serving me? Are the commitments that I'm you know, spending my time on serving me? We find that people start to really evaluate carefully all of the elements of their life, which I think kind of From that perspective that I like to look at it, like I said, as ministry, if we're able to help people cut out some of the things that are keeping them from what God is calling them to, that seems like a really big win. It's always so great for me to connect with past clients and see how they just really are flourishing in their lives. And oftentimes they credit the process that we have gone through, not just having a neater home but the really the process of that evaluation with helping them to get clearer on truly what is their purpose and what are they supposed to be doing?
0: That's amazing. That really is ministry. Mm -hmm. So declutter your space and get clear on your purpose, almost decluttering your space is also a mental shift to help you start to declutter your life from maybe, Mm -hmm. as you point out the, the commitments and maybe the relationships or the work that has just piled up because we haven't evaluated it in light of who God has called us to be and what work we're called to do in this world. That is beautiful. I never thought that that would come out of organizing a space, but I can totally see how it does. Yeah. So in your experience with working with women leaders, what would you say are some of the common organizational challenges that women leaders face and what strategies do you recommend for overcoming some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, I think lots of times people start to think about what does what's what's the end product going to be? particularly with women. They are so taxed with their time. They want it to be quick and easy and efficient, and they need something to get solved. And that process that we just talked about is not a very quick and easy, solvable kind of a thing. That's something that really takes time and energy and effort to go through. So one of the challenges that I often see with women is that they say, I've been trying to get organized. I bought all of these storage containers. That is very often, one of the first things that happens is, look at all of these neat little bins that I got. I found something that fits this closet perfectly. It goes under this sink perfectly, or they all match. They're all coordinated. They're all labeled. They're looking at kind of the end product of what could it look like in the end without actually thinking about the work that goes into it. Um, And so that often is one of the first things that I see when I'm working with someone, um, with a woman is that they've got all of these neat little containers. and They want to figure out how are we going to use them And oftentimes my answer is we might not use them. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's kind of if you think about it, the process is if we're looking at all of the things that you own and really trying to evaluate them according to your purpose, there might be a lot of things that you don't need anymore or things that actually, you know what, if this is what you say your purpose is, you need to acquire some new things in a different way. You know, it kind of shifts what it is that you own. And so by starting off with buying a bunch of cute little organizing boxes and bins, we might not be picking the right storage containers for what the end product is going to be. So I usually tell people, wait until the very end of the entire process before they go do any of that kind of shopping. As I'm working with people, I'm saying, let's grab that extra Amazon box that's sitting over there in the corner. We're going to use this as a drawer divider At the moment and it's not going to look pretty and i don't really care if it looks pretty or not that's not its purpose we're going to let it sit here and make sure that this works for you before you go and spend money on something new or as we declutter items lots of times what happens is all of a sudden we start having storage bins that are appearing because as we are decluttering things all of these bins you were storing them in are now free for a new purpose And so it's actually kind of rare that I wind up telling clients to go buy a bunch of storage things. Nine times out of 10, we're able to either make do with what already exists in the space or repurposing different things as we're decluttering. So that oftentimes can be one of the stumbling blocks is that people think, oh, I need to make it look good. I need to just sort it all into bins. And actually, if we declutter first, half of those things are going to go away in, in the first place. So that's oftentimes a big challenge that I see. I also see that people women particularly are really struggling with this idea of what is it supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? What should I be doing? And so I like to, I joke with my clients, quit shooting all over yourself <laughs> because you can keep telling I, I should be the kind of mom that makes this kind of lunch for my kids. I should be the kind of woman that serves on this committee. I should be the kind of woman that makes her car look like this. I should dress this way. I should wear this kind of makeup. I should cook this kind of food. I should sort out my briefcase this way. I should have my digital photos displayed this way. All of these shoulds. And who who is telling you you should be doing that? You know, it may be that as we talk through your purpose, that some of those things are important to you, but it's not something you should be doing. It's something that you want to do. It's something that you are working towards doing. And so what winds up happening is as we start to deconstruct all of those ideas and those things that we think we should be doing, what often winds up happening is people say, you know what? I was really excited about all of these cookbooks that I have and we got them all nice and neat and in order. But as I think about it, half of them are things I shouldn't be doing. I don't need to be working on that. And even though they're nice and I like them and they're in perfectly good condition, they only serve as a reminder that I should be doing something that I'm never going to do. So let me just let go of them and actually create space for the things that are going to be feeding me well. So that oftentimes is another big thing that women have that I like to declutter is the shoulds, the kind of idea of expectation that we should be doing things a certain way or have things that are a certain kind of item that really aren't serving us. It's who who is telling you that you should be doing it that way. Let's listen to what it is that you know is true for your life and figure out, does this fit into that or not? I love, as you were
0: talking about letting things go and creating space, because I think that can be a real spiritual exercise mm-hmm. as well, because oftentimes as we're seeking what our purpose is, or or what our our purpose may be in a season, because I'm one that tends to think that we don't have just one purpose, but many purposes, and that can change and morph with the seasons that we're in. And sometimes our life is so cluttered. And we keep ourselves so busy. I call it buffering in some respects, we're just we're staying busy doing things. So that we can avoid the pain or the uncomfortable space of not being fulfilled, not being happy. If it's the cookbooks or the scrapbooking or whatever, that you feel this sense of, well, I should be doing this, but you let it go. You have an empty space that Mm -hmm. then you can see what does God want to fill that with and just sit in that empty space for a while. You
1: just have space in your life. To let God speak. Absolutely, and it's it's one of those things where I, I I both love and hate the fact that there are all of these like organizing TV shows and things like that. I find them to be highly entertaining, but they're also very very edited. I mean, even Marie Kondo's show. One of the things that you don't see on there is that they actually had other Kanmari consultants like me working with those clients in between when Marie would show up at their house. They're not just Marie comes in waves, up, waves her little fingers. And then the next time they come, things look great. They've got people really doing the work with them. And one of the things that I think that we often see on those TV shows is, oh, it looks so much better. This is fantastic. Oh, I love this neat idea of how you did that. And what you don't see is that it's hard work. And when I say hard work, I'm not talking physically. It is emotional work. I have yet to work with a client who did not break down and cry at least once, oftentimes more than once. When we're talking about, you know, for instance, going through a box of old T-shirts, you think, oh, it's old T-shirts, it's fine. But why are those T-shirts in that box? because there's some sort of reason they're not hanging in the closet being worn every day. They mean something. They, they stand for memories that may be positive memories or they may be negative memories. It might be those are some of the, my favorite clothes and they don't fit me anymore. And all of the things that are tied up in that, there are so many emotions that come with this process. And a big part of my working with clients is helping them to sit in the uncomfortable to be able to say, it's okay that it's uncomfortable. There will be a way out of this. It's not gonna stay this way, but let's get real. Let's not just try to keep things at the surface level. You said you want change in your life. And sometimes change means facing things that make you sad, that make you uncomfortable, things that are hard, so that we can deal with them appropriately and move on to a place where the things in your life are giving you joy. And that really is the kanmari method. So, what are
0: some habits or routines that women leaders could incorporate on a regular basis into our daily lives so that we can be more organized, whether it's in our personal life or professional life? Any tips for just regular, ongoing kind of routines and maintenance?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of conversation around, you know, highly successful people have this kind of routine or wake up at this time, or this is the breakfast that they eat, or this is what they do in the evenings and how they use their free time. There's a lot of focus on here is what successful people do. And I I don't know that that's, you know, that's interesting from a idea gathering perspective, maybe, but I don't know that any of us should follow along with here is the, the routines or the habits of a successful person and what they should do what I do think is really helpful is to give ourselves the time and space on a regular basis for reflection. And so that can look like a lot of different things depending on who you are and what works for you. But I would say building a habit of reflection into your regular routine can not only be helpful for you on a personal level, but also on a professional level. So for some people that is doing some sort of Daily quiet time, or you know, an examine kind of reflection that they might do to help them with thinking through how what how was the day and and where did I see God in today? For some people, one of the most helpful habits that they can build is a, a habit of doing a weekly reflection, and so that can kind of tie in even with like a weekly planning. Is it that I'm going to sit down on Sunday evening or Monday morning, whatever works for you, and say, "Here is what I had hoped to get done last week." Did it actually happen? What what was it that helped me to get these things done? And what was holding me back? And let me set some intentions for this week. Here are like the three most important things that need to get done this week. And that can be, you know, preparing this report for work and also getting the kids snacks ready for the soccer game on Saturday and also buying that birthday present for your mom. I don't know, whatever those things are. But really setting up what are the three most important things that need to get done this week? And as you are going through your day-to-day, keep referring back to what is it that I said I needed to accomplish, what was important so that I keep that top of mind. But building in time for reflection in our regular schedules and our regular days, even if it's only 15 minutes, I think a lot of people say, I don't have time to do that. I need to just get to the work. But honestly, you will work more effectively and more efficiently if you are building in time for reflection and really having that opportunity to say, I have needed to get this done for the past four weeks and I keep not getting it done. Why? Let me just stop and think about why. Is it that there is something you need that you don't have? And so, you know what, let's take the 10 minutes and go buy it on Amazon. Or is it that there is something about what you need to get done that is scary to you? And so maybe talking to somebody would be helpful Is it just a super annoying task and you need to block out time on your calendar? Like it's an appointment with your boss, you know, really thinking about what is it that's holding you back from what do you need to get done and giving yourself the time for reflection is going to give you the time to have that thought process. So much of what you have
0: shared on the physical organization really starts in a mindset Mm -hmm. and So it's been a little surprising to me how much of this external work is internal. It starts internal and it continues internal, both ways, internal to figure out how to order your external world, but also your external world as you reflect and you consider it can give you insight internally of what's happening or what's going on. So that really helps me to understand why when you say this is really hard work why it is because yeah. it really is and it's personal for each one of us i love that your approach is not saying like hey let me just make you more organized right instead you're really bringing a unique approach of who has god created this person to be and let's figure out how their world can be organized in a way to serve who god has created them to
1: be Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's like you mentioned, it's kind of a feedback loop. As you go through this process, the physical helps to inform the mental, and then the mental helps to inform the physical. Well, Lindsay, this has been
0: so informative and just great to talk with you. Where can listeners find you if they would like to know more or they'd like to connect with you more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My website's probably the best place. So that's just www.getorganizedyall.com and you can find information on there about organizing, about productivity consulting. I also do budget coaching. So different ways that I help people kind of get things organized. And I also offer a free consultation on the phone. So if it's something that you're interested in, you're not sure how we could work together, really just setting up a time on my website to be able to set up a call and we can just talk through it. What are the things that are challenging you, and how might we best be able to work together to to get you past them? Thank you,
0: Lindsay. This has been great. I love your ministry. I love what you're doing to help women clarify their purpose and create a life and a space that serves their purpose. So thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it with other women in your network. For more information about me and the work that I do, check out JeanetteCochran.com. And I'd love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social. You can find me on Facebook at JCochranCoach Coach or Instagram at Jeanette.Cochran.